Welcome to Real Talk for Real Teachers. I'm Dr. Becky Bailey, the creator of Conscious Discipline, an expert in child development, and a lifelong teacher and learner. For those listening who are not aware of Conscious Discipline, it's a comprehensive self-regulation program that integrates social-emotional learning, school culture, and discipline. It provides the seven powers for conscious adults to help teachers see conflict differently and the seven basic skills of discipline that empower teachers to respond to conflict in such a way that it instills life skills. So what are real teachers? Real teachers are real people who have a life both inside and outside the classroom. Real teachers are also parents, significant others, brothers, aunts, uncles, sisters, or grandparents. They have a full life outside the classroom. Some mornings, their own children are not fed and dressed by a needed time. Some evenings, their own children become sick, and they're up all night with their own children. And yet, they show up day after day to give their heart and soul to others. Real Talk for Real Teachers is a growing community of loving professionals who seek to love themselves as much as they love others. So today we're talking about conscious discipline school-wide coaching. So some of us are fortunate enough to have conscious discipline coaches in our school, and we're actually going to talk with one of those today. But when I think of coaching, I think of my old golf coach. I started playing golf at the age of three. When I turned four, I was going to play in the National Pee Wee Championship Tournament. I was so excited. And on the last hole, it came down to a little teeny putt. It went in, and I won the whole tournament. I did not learn until many, many years later that I was not officially entered into the tournament because I was a girl, and girls weren't allowed to enter it. My father had pulled some strings so I, ch- so I could play. And to everyone's surprise... I won, but the title went to the little boy I played with that day. He actually got his picture on Sports Illustrated, but I had a great day of fun playing golf. How did all this happen without me truly knowing it? One reason is because I was four, and everything was fun at four. But secondly, I had a remarkable coach. He framed everything for me. His worldview about sports and sportsmanship became my worldview, He taught me how to play golf by noticing me, something we do a lot in conscious discipline. He would say, your arm went like this. Your head stayed so still, just like this. He taught me about the game also by noticing other children. See his face? He is calm so he can feel the swing in his body. Or see him? He is practicing his swing over and over so when he hits the ball, it's his best swing possible. In essence, through his focus and his intent, he taught me many powerful lessons. And the one I remember most clearly is to play your best and have fun. At the end of each round of golf, he said to me, did you play your best? I would say yes. Then he would say, then did you have fun? And I would say yes. Then he would say, then you won because you met your goals. I won a lot with this coach and it had nothing to do with trophies or pictures being on a magazine. A good coach is priceless. As he coached me, I learned how to coach myself. Priceless. Conscious discipline coaching happens on three levels. We first learn to coach ourselves through our own upset and conflicts. 
This happens by how we talk to ourselves inside our heads. Sometimes our inner speech helps us calm down, see the problem from both sides, and actually solve it. And sometimes our coaching inner voice puts fuel on the fire and makes problems worse. Secondly, we coach children through their upsets and conflicts all day long. Sometimes, again, we're brilliant, and sometimes we make it worse. Finally, we learn to coach others, coach adults, coach teachers, coach administrators, and coach parents. Conscious discipline coaching is based on three important principles. One, you can't teach what you don't have. Second, you can't make anyone change except yourself. So you best inspire them by changing yourself as opposed to try to force them through your coaching. And the third thing is what you offer to others, you strengthen yourself. So every time we coach someone else, we learn as much or more than they do. Today, I have invited Paola Salcedo to talk with us. She is a conscious discipline coach at Barry Elementary in Houston, Texas. Her job is to help implement the conscious discipline program school-wide. She coaches children, she coaches teachers, she coaches administrators, and she coaches her parents. She's been an educator for 15 years and a conscious discipline coach for two. And I guess the first thing Paula, I want to know is, tell me about your school. What are the demographics? Where do you work and and how's it going? Hi, Becky. I'm so happy to be here and actually hear you. Yes, our school (laughs) is a Title I school here in Houston. Our demographics is we have 95% of Hispanic, 1% uh, white, and 3% African American. We have, out of those, we have 58% of English language learners, which makes us a bilingual school, a Spanish bilingual school. We have 6% special education, and out of our whole population, 90% um, receive free and reduced uh, priced lunch. Wow. And what grades do you go from, Paolo? We go from pre-K all the way through fifth grade. Wonderful. Now, how in the world did you get this position called Conscious Discipline Coach? I'm sure everyone out there wants to know how this happened. So so tell <laughs> us about that. And actually, it's a wonderful position. It started with the vision of our former principal. We, um, Before I got this position, I was a pre-K teacher here at Barry. I had followed our former principal because she believes in conscious discipline and she knows the power it, it can transform in a school. And we had a social worker back then when I was a pre-K teacher here, which was not familiar with conscious discipline and did not really want to get into it either. So Ms. Oliver, you know, our former principal, um, kind of gave me that position. So within the school, I am known as a conscious discipline coach. Within the district, though, since it's not a real position, I am a multi-grade level teacher or also known as a behavior specialist. Oh, so she she took money that was allocated for one position and kind of altered its job description so you could uh, uh, do what you're doing now. Right. It was either the social workers uh, funding or the budget for the social worker or counselor. So that's kind of the position that I have now. And, and, And so in that, who do you actually coach at school? Who do I don't coach? (laughs) Yes, right. That's a better question for sure. So you're coaching everyone. 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 Um, 
You know, once we get to know and understand what conscious discipline is all about, like you said, we don't have the power to change anybody but ourselves. But we do have the the power to share our knowledge and share our passion. And the best way to do it is to show that this has a transformational power. So what I do is I go into classrooms and I teach teachers how to handle certain situations starting from the get-go putting their structures up and then uh, helping them form the the school family or the classroom family. And then in specific situations, also I go back to uh, model certain skills like the time machine so they can actually have a visual on how it's being taught to the kids. So with those structures for people who don't understand conscious discipline, so some of those structures would be like uh, the kindness tree, the we care, celebration. So you're celebrating children's success. And so tell us about the time machine. How does that actually work? And how would you model that in a classroom? Okay. The time machine is one of the tools that I bring in um, all the way at the end when the the structures are up and the teacher understands the skills because it is about consequences, natural consequences for the children to understand that every action has a consequence. And by consequence, we have to understand what it actually means. It's not a punishment. It's not putting kids in the corner, leaving them without recess or taking a white ancillary or in other places known as special, which in our school is music and science and PE. It's about actually taking those moments and teaching the, the, the kids there is a, pro- a solution to the problem or situation that you're having right now. So the time machine has several components, starting with, are you willing? Because we have no power, not even over children, to make them do what we want them to do. So the first question is, are you willing? And if that willingness is there, especially if the classroom family is set and the school family is in place, we care about each other. There's unity. And when we have an oops moment, the kids realize that. And, you know, they want to go back in time and say, I want to make this over because I hurt you because you're my friend and I care about you. And I want to go back and just redo this whole situation. So let me just see if I got this so far. So basically, this happens when two children are maybe hit, push each other, call each other name, or do something with each other that's hurtful. And so you're going to ask them to go back and let's do it again. And this time practice more helpful words and how to solve it. Kind of a do over. I guess we'd all like that in our relationships of any kind, especially if we care right. about one another. So they're doing right. a, a basic do over. So and the uh, first the thing you ask the problem. Yes. Right. And the first thing you say, are you willing to do it over and do it a different way? And are the kids responsive to that? Most of the time they are especially when the the classroom family is in place and and there's unity and they actually care for each other. They even, they don't need me. They got it down and they go, you know, they've been taught the time machine and they actually take it out themselves and they can resolve their conflict by themselves. So it's an actual mat. You can actually walk on it. It's a mat. Yes, it has, it has steps on it. So the first um, step is, are you willing? Because if we're not, then there's nothing we can do about it but to come back in the future if they're willing in the future. The second step is taking a deep breath. Um, you know, we have the both kids that had the problem or the conflict, the aggressor and the victim, and each has a specific point where to stand. And we take a deep breath first if they're willing. They go on the first footprint and they take a deep breath because that brings oxygen to their brain. 
and they focus on what they want and actually are calm. Because when we are not, then there's we know there's not going to be any problem resolutions at that time. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second step is going and wishing well, because what you offer to others, you strengthen yourself. So we basically tell them to look at each other and wish each other well, because when you wish each other well and there's that school family in place, there is caring within each other and it's basically saying, I wish you well. I do not wish any harm. I just, you know, I care for you. We're a school family. I just want to solve this conflict. Perfect. And that's practically what it means, the wishing well. Then the next step is one, two, three. Let's do this. Let's do this. It's motivating the kids. We can do this. And the last step is starting with the victim first because we teach our victim to use their big voice and say, you know, my voice has a meaning i mean it can be heard and big voice doesn't mean what i teach the kids and coach it to kids means it doesn't mean you scream because it, it gets confused you know it's like ah stop it no it's about taking a deep breath and having the bravery to say stop i don't like it that you push me but and the hardest part about the time machine and coaching kids and even teachers about the time machine is we can't stop there we have to tell the other person and teach the other person what the limit is and what they can do. And so that I is go, a tough that is a tough transition for a lot of them. And that's that important piece of coaching to flip yes. it from what I, I don't like it when you push me, walk yes. around me. That is a hard transition I found for teachers. Are you finding that same thing? It's not just the children, it's teachers too? It's it's teachers, it's adults, it is for my husband. <laughs> 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 yes, it's it's a very it's a huge transition because it's easier to point the finger at somebody else and blame somebody than, you know, putting the finger at oneself and say, okay, what do I, how do I want to be treated? How, what do I want? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's hard to teach and even be conscious in, in oneself. Um, so that's when we go the, the extra step and the kids say, you know, I didn't like that you do, did this. I want you to treat me this way. Yeah. And then at the end, they connect and they have some physical touch, either a high five or a hug or fist bump. And that's just closing the deal. Oh, I forgot the other part because the victim first. Now the aggressor either agrees and says, yeah, I can do that. Or and say, no, but I, I am willing to do this. So it teaches the strategy of the kids, especially older kids in fifth grade. They come up with, you know, no, I'm not really willing to do that, but I am willing to do this. And they come up with other solutions. Oh, perfect. And that's the beauty of it. Now, have you run into, and, and you've kind of implied this before, but have you run into uh, teachers that are resistant to conscious discipline? I mean, they're really embedded in punishment, and they're not willing to take on this notion that uh, a new view of consequences, where consequences actually require us to reflect and own our experience and learn a new skill. Have you seen this resistance, and how do you manage it? <laughs> Oh, I can go on on this. <laughs> yes, I've I've run to a couple of teachers that are resistant to it. Um, and the way I see it as a coach is I just see the teachers just like I see the kids. The the kids and teachers that are that needed the most are the ones that resisted the most. That's so, so true. It is. So the way I look at it and the my approach is, you know, those teachers need connections. 
And I find moments and places and things that we have in common to connect with those teachers and, you know, have built a friendship or just a school family between the two of us to the point where it gets and I ask, are you willing to try something else? You've been doing this over and over again, and the result is the same, but your hope is for a different result, but it's not coming. Are you willing to try something else? Beautiful, beautiful. And have you, tell me a success story. Have you had a, a an actual teacher who was like, I am not doing this, I'll never do this, and they changed their mind? Do you have such a a, a story you can share? I do. I do. I have one story. Actually, it, was, it happened last year to a teacher. She was new to our campus, never heard about conscious discipline. It was her first year. And, you know, she comes into this campus, conscious discipline, white school. And she was like, what is all this about breathing and calming? That's not working. And you could, whenever you walked into her classroom, you could feel the tension, the yelling and the chaos everywhere. And I realized pretty quickly that she was not willing for me to come and coach. And so I took a step back. I took a step back. And one time she got written up because she did something during a fire drill and she just was overwhelmed with her feelings. And I happened to walk into her classroom and she was crying. And I just, you know, I went in, I took a deep breath. She was by herself. Her kids were not in the classroom. I said, is everything okay? And she said, no, I just got written up and I'm just, I don't know how I feel. And, you know, I put my hand on her shoulder and I said, you know what? Let's first take a deep breath and calm ourselves before we just talk. And and if you're willing, I can help you through the steps. So we started breathing and it took about good three, four minutes just to take a deep breath. And I was downloading my calm on her and she looked around. She looked me in, in the eye and said, oh, my gosh, this really works. (laughs) yeah and I knew from that moment on that I had her hooked so ever since that moment I was in her classroom very consistently and she saw the change of trying something new that is a beautiful story that so it's either you're, you're either helping the resistant teachers through backing up and creating a connection just like you would with the children or you are happen to be there at the right time at the right place and you're offering to them and they experience what it feels like to have that offered to you and then get and, and that's the buy-in you're getting is that what you're saying yes exactly okay so now i understand that you also run the parent groups and you're the coach of the parents so you have a low socioeconomic crowd you're dealing with parents and they're often known for not participating But yet I've heard you have tremendous parental involvement, parental participation. And in your parent classes, you have people coming over and over and over again. Tell me about how you started that and why you think these parents are so involved with your school. Well, I love my parent classes. That's my baby. (laughs) Because as as a mother myself, I have four children. I know the power it, it has as a mom to have these skills and just equipping our children with lifelong skills to be ready for any setting in life, starting with school. Um, and that's why this is so passionate to me. So when we started last year, was my first year as a conscious discipline coach. 
my former principal said, you know, you're you're going to be in charge of training the parents too. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> a little <laughs> nerve-wracking. And I said, and I sat in my office for quite a bit and I said, how do I do this? How do I do this? And it just dawned on me. It's no different than what I do with the kids and no different than what I do with the teachers is creating a family within the parents. So I started right away and I invited them and a good amount of people showed up. And I started right away with the greetings and with the brain smart start. And that got them hooked immediately, you know, just being open, transparent. And I let myself be vulnerable too, as a mom, sharing my stories inside school, outside school. And little by little, I started implementing the same, the structures. And I so um, so let me see if I've got this. So you're saying to me that the same process of creating a classroom family you use to create a school family school wide, and you're using the same process with your parents. So yes. if you greet children, you're greeting teachers, you're greeting parents. If you have a safe place where children can go and calm down, you have a safe place for teachers, for children, and for parents. So you're doing the same thing for teachers, children, and parents. Is that what you're saying? The same thing, yes. Beautiful. Yes. One-stop and, and- shopping. You're like a Walmart there. Exactly. Hey, Walmart is my second home. <laughs> no, I'm okay. kidding. But yes, you're right. And, you know, I had several moms coming to me saying, well, I can't really attend your class because I have younger kids. And I said, that's not a problem. Bring them bring them with you. Because, you know, what better way than learning these skills with the structures and have them practice with their small kids right there, right then. So when we do the Brain Smart Start, we do it with adults, you know, among each other. And then I tell them to get on their knees and do the connecting activities with their younger children. So they can experiencing right there, right then, how it feels like and how it how it looks like to do it with their small kids, with their younger children. Yeah, and children. let me jump in here a little. So mm-hmm. for those who don't know what the Brain Smart Start is, it, it involves four activities. An activity to unite, which means everybody kind of does something together. An activity to disengage the stress, whether some form of breathing. And while we're doing that, everyone who's listening can breathe with me right now. Then it has an activity to connect, which asks people to turn face to face, which is why you had those parents get on their knees. And then we have an activity to commit. So that's kind of the brain smart start. You do it with kids. You do it with the teachers are doing this. And now you're doing it with the parents. So keep going, Paolo. This is great stuff. <laughs> so after they they experience that with their children, it, it, it's just, you know, as, as a kinesthetic learner myself, it gives them a better visual of how to go home and do it now with their older kids, with their school kids when they come home. Now, didn't you have them do something interesting one time? I heard that you had them do a, uh, use the skills of conscious discipline to help them lose weight. Was Is that true? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> well, during our first semester, we did the, um, I had a training for seven weeks uh, one skill per week, talking about the skill and the theory. And um, we put it into practice a little bit of what we had time during our sessions. And then we would have a whole week for them to go back to their homes and actually try to apply it with their um, children. But we know it's a journey. 
It's yes. a journey that it takes so much longer than just applying or practicing a skill during one week. And many of the parents came back saying, okay, you know, this is amazing. This is great. I buy into it, but I need more. So then we started with a book study. Um, Easy to Love, Hard to Discipline, the book mm -hmm. that you wrote for parents. Yes. And we did it once a month um, because it goes deeper and it gives you more time to practice. So instead of meeting once a week, now we met once a month because it got them more theory and it got them more examples and more activities in the book to actually go home and do it and practice it. But parents would still come back, moms would still come back and say, okay, I still get it, I understand it, but, and I said, okay, you're right. You know, let's stop for a second, let's rethink. And we cannot teach something we do not know. We cannot teach skills that we ourselves do not possess. So I thought about a way how we can apply our conscious discipline skills in ourselves without involving the kids, their, their children. And I actually lost, um, I won a weight loss contest about five years ago in school at my previous schools. And the way I did it is I used my conscious discipline skills and I won the contest. And I said, why not do a weight loss contest? Why not? Be why not? I mean, what woman doesn't like to lose weight? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, I asked my former principal if that's something she allowed me to do. She said, of course, go right ahead. Because she saw the power if these parents understood and were able to apply these skills in themselves. And get results and be successful. Yeah, I see where you're going here. So if they could apply them to themselves, get results, be successful, then they can see how powerful they are so they can apply them to their children. Uh -huh. Exactly. Brilliant, mm -hmm. brilliant, just brilliant. <laughs> and so did it work? Oh, amazingly, amazingly. You know, some they apply now, they come back to me, and um, I have testimonies saying, I understand it, I can apply these skills with myself, now I can go back home and I can teach them to my children. So any obstacles they have in their in their lives, any hard moment they, that they go through, or any just goal that they just want to reach, they can apply their conscious discipline skills and they get results. And that those are the same skills that now they can teach their children at home. And that brings us to, you know, I said this fancy definition of what conscious discipline was at the beginning, but really it means disciplined enough to set and achieve goals and conscious enough to know you're off track and have the skills to come back on track. So what you're actually doing is what my coach did uh, many years ago at my little, when I was three and four and five years old playing golf, is you taught them how to change their inner speech. So they would encourage themselves with, you did it. They would be assertive with that voice that says, you can't do it, and say, oh, yes, I can. They could give themselves two positive choices. When they'd mess up, they could offer themselves empathy and forgive themselves and see positive intent in their actions and move forward and actually own the consequences of, of kind of being off track and then move back. So is that what you saw? Oh, yes, most definitely. Yes. You so summed it up perfectly. <laughs> so let's go home. Let's talk about your own kids. Oh, my so, gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, what have you learned? I mean, you're a phenomenal coach. Phenomenal. And I'm sure this came, came from you internalizing these skills with yourself and then working through them. But, you know, the best teachers 
we have are our own children. So what have you learned from your oldest child? Uh, because it seems like uh, I, I believe you tend to be butting heads a lot. What have you learned from that? <laughs> I actually learned all my skills, you know, <laughs> to apply it with myself because I had to discipline myself. I had to, we bump heads quite a bit. He's a preteen now and uh, more now more than ever. And I'd love to train. That's one of the things that I'd love to do. I even went and I trained at my church and my son loves to go with me. So he has heard me train. And now, you know, us bumping heads is actually he uses the phrases that I teach to others. He comes back and he throws them back at me. So when we have an <laughs> argument, yes, he, he tells me, you know, mom, be the person you want me to be. <laughs> And oh, he's totally, yeah, and he's right. And But I got to learn to get to know myself better, get to know my triggers, get to know a lot of my strongholds and, you know, have the willingness to change to the parent that I always wanted to be and have those skills that I want my children to have. That is phenomenal. And so you're actually applying, you know, I said conscious discipline coaching happens on three levels. And you're a living demonstration of this. So you, you've you learned to coach yourself and talk to yourself. Have you, and, and what I'm hearing from you, you've changed your inner speech a great deal. Have you? Yes. Oh, yes. And you're bilingual. So have you changed it in both languages or what? Claro que sí. And ambos lenguajes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So now for those listening, it's important for us to understand. And I think Paula demonstrated it beautifully. How we discipline slash coach ourselves through upset and conflicts will be how we discipline slash coach our children through their upsets and conflict. So if we're critical to ourselves, if we're judgmental, if we're punishing to ourselves, I can't believe I did that again. What are you thinking? Or I can't believe they did that again. If I'm doing this in my head, then it's going to come out. All I have to be is stressed enough. So if you want to be a conscious discipline coach, you've got to start with yourself. You've got to start changing that inner voice in your head with your own upset. You can't deny your own feelings anymore. You can't drink or eat through them. We've got to say, yes, I feel scared. I've got this. Take a breath, Becky. You can handle it. We've got to be encouraging to ourselves. And I think this is what Paula has said. She got this title but she just didn't get a title. She got a skill set she uses with herself, with her coworkers, with her family, and with the life she lives. So, Paula, I want to end this with if we have steps for tomorrow. So let's say people are, are listening to us now and you had three concrete things they could do tomorrow after hearing this. What would they be? What's the first thing you would say? Here's what here's where you start and here's what you need to do. First thing. Okay. First, um I would say take any opportunity and change your point of perspective, your power of perspective. Any conflict is a learning opportunity. And that automatically is going to keep our composure and just take a deep breath and tell yourself in any situation, I can handle this. I got this. I can handle this. I am going to give these kids, I'm going to teach these children, myself, my spouse, my coworkers, the skills that 
we can have a problem solving situation rather than, you know, having the same recording in my head. Playing over and over and playing over. Playing over yeah. our old CD-ROM. Okay, so the, let me see. The, so the first one is you got to see it differently. So instead of seeing mean, nasty, disrespectful little heathens, you're going to see kids who are missing a skill and just calling for help. And then you're going to take that breath and see these kids saying they need my help to learn a new skill. Have I got that first one? You got the first one. Okay, and now the, next. The second one, I would say... Accept responsibility for your own emotions. You know, you are in control of yourself. We waste so much energy and time to try to make the world go our way. Yet we cannot control the world, but we can control ourselves. And the way we control ourselves is knowing that we have emotions, accept those emotions, name the feelings and be conscious of your feelings. And it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel, but we also have a choice on how to manage those feelings. But you know what? They're ours. They're nobody else's. And we have yeah. to take responsibility for those. So that would be the second one. So no one makes you angry or makes mm. you sad or it's it's they have a, a behavior and we choose to see it a certain way. And in that choice of perceiving it a certain way creates a feeling within us. And we have to own that feeling. Yes. OK. And now the last one you want to send them off with. And the last one, I would say, get to know yourself. Get to know your triggers, get to know your buttons, and, you know, own up to them. Don't give them to the world, but own up to them. It's okay to have triggers, okay to have buttons. Yeah, what are yours? What, what, is, one of, what is your biggest trigger, you think, for upset that generates upset within you? Well, triggers for me is lack of sleep and lack of food. That can send me off. Yes. <laughs> My tolerance level would be zero. And lately, I've discovered that a big trigger for me, too, is pain, physical pain. Yes. And buttons, my big time button is sassiness and rolling back of eyes. That's a huge button for me, <laughs> which, you know, I get that day in and day out with my preteen son. <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot of practice there. Yes, most definitely. So those are beautiful take-homes. Those are beautiful next steps. I want to thank you so much for all you're doing down there in Houston, for what you're doing at Barry Elementary, for what you're doing for our children, our teachers, and just by living a life of example. And I feel deeply inspired just talking to you. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. I wish you well. And until next time. I wish you well, Paula, and I wish everyone else listening. Bye-bye. For more episodes of Real Talk with Real Teachers by Dr. Becky Bailey, visit ConsciousDiscipline.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.